0: howdy and welcome to wise about texas the texas history podcast this is your host ken wise thank you very much for tuning in for some texas history today very excited today i'm recording and releasing this podcast uh, during the first strong cold front of the season. Uh, That always makes Texans happy particularly in southern Texas because it means that uh, hurricane season is over and we will uh, be enjoying some cooler temperatures. And of course that means we need to cook some chili and remember no beans. Um, Some of y'all may have read in uh, the newspapers that I am now the president of the Texas State Historical Association. I was the first vice president and uh, scheduled to take over as president next March 2024. Um, but due to some uh, litigation that the association was involved in, it's uh, my presidency has started early, so that has delayed my production schedule significantly, but we're back on it. So uh, sorry for the delay in the podcast episodes. Today, I want to talk about a person that is has uh, existed in Texas uh, during a time where history often uh, merged with gossip, rumor, or outright fiction uh, to become a legend rather than history. And it's sometimes this story uh, or the story of this person is a good opportunity for everybody to think about the difference between Uh, a literal recitation of verifiable facts as history and uh, how those facts might be confused and how you might verify them or not and whether uh, legends are uh, something that are useful in your interpretation of history. Uh, Plus, it's just a darn interesting story. So let's go back to before Texas independence and get Wise About Texas. Subject of today's story is a lady popularly known as Sally Skull, which I think is just a fantastic name. Um, It just so happens I'm recording this and releasing it the day before Halloween, so that's strangely appropriate. Sally was born sometime around 18... Seventeen, And her real name was Sarah Jane Newman. Now that's a little bit of a coincidence because my daughter's name is Sarah Jane. Uh, I did ask if she wanted to go by Sally Skulls. She declined. Now we don't know if she was born in 1817 or around 1817. Her family was from Pennsylvania but came into Texas uh, with Austin's colony. And uh, so let's digress for a minute. Her grandfather was a man named William Rabb. Rab was in the milling business, and he had uh, moved down into the Arkansas Territory. And at one point, um, some of that territory was ceded to the Choctaw Indians. So he just crossed the Red River and uh, moved into what is now Red River County, Texas, then was considered part of Arkansas Territory, or I guess Arkansas claimed it. Um, But, of course, it was really part of Mexico. And uh, so Rab wrote a letter to the Mexican authorities and uh, said he had planned to be one of Austin's colonists. And it's thought that Rab knew uh, the Austins already. And so the deal was Rab would get a land grant and uh, he would open a mill because that would have been one of the most immediately necessary industries in a young colony. So he came down, uh, picked a site on the Colorado River near uh, LaGrange, which had some springs, and this this land was just west of present-day LaGrange, Texas. And Rab had seen it before, so that indicates that he was uh, part of Austin's plan all along. And he moved his family down here in uh, 1823, uh, but the following year, now of course LaGrange was way, way, way away from the settlements, um, from the main part of the settlements. As long-time listeners of this podcast uh, know, if you were in LaGrange in 1820s, you were smack in the middle of the Comanche Indian Territory. Uh, Rab learned that the hard way, so he moved to uh, a settlement that still exists called Egypt, which is in Wharton County, and he ended up being a very large landowner. He um, got five leagues of land, most of which was in present-day Matagorda County, but some of which was where... Uh, he had agreed to build that gristmill. Quick mention something about Rab. There was, um, in I believe it was the Battle of Concepcion episode early on in this podcast, many years ago. I think William Rab was the one, uh, was an example that I used of someone who said, If we are not going to fight the Mexican army, I'm just going home. And he and a bunch of other people just left, talking about the volunteer nature of the Texian militia. So anyway, Sally is born into this family, so you can already start to see uh, the spirit that she inhabited. One story about her early life is uh, that the family, the Newman family, was in a cabin. Her mother's name, Sally's mother's name, was Rachel Newman, and um, the Comanches, of course, were frequent visitors to these settlers' cabins and would try to Uh, run off steal the horses steal the livestock and occasionally attack the family and apparently um the little log cabin the door didn't go all the way to the floor as was common in those log cabins and that an indian tried to thrust his feet under the door to try to lift it off its off its hinges and sally's mother rachel chopped his toes off with an axe now there are no uh documents reflecting that story. but you can imagine if Sally saw that it would have made an impression on her. Another story from the same time period is that uh, one of the common things the Indians would do was get on the roof and try to come down the chimney and that Rachel's uh, Rachel Newman Sally's mother uh, emptied a feather pillow into the chimney and lit it uh, to try to smoke the Indians out. So Sally uh, inherited a fighting spirit. She entered into her first marriage when she was 16 years old. Now, if you read about Sally Skull, some people say they were mar- she was married five times, some people say she was married six times, but uh, you can't get to either of those numbers without your first one. So she gets married at 16 to a man named Jesse Robinson. Robinson had been a ranger Uh, in the 1820s, among the earliest of the Texas Rangers. He actually had uh, rescued the Rabs when a large gang of several hundred Indians had surrounded the Rab house for a time, and uh, he went on to fight in the Battle of San Jacinto. They had two children, but the marriage was not destined to survive, and they eventually split up. Sally then married Uh, George Skull in 1843, acquiring her now famous last name. But uh, that marriage was over by 1849, and George Skull is nowhere to be found. And One article I read said that he signed a court document uh, somewhere in 1853, but Sally would always go around saying that he had died. In any event, in 1852, Sally bought her own ranch uh, near the town of Banquette in Oasis County. And she married husband number three, a guy named John Doyle. One author found, uh, supposedly found the marriage record in Oasis County, and she had signed it Sarah Skull uh, with a K, not a C. Now, supposedly by this time, she had started to build quite the reputation as a knowledgeable horsewoman and horse trader. She apparently uh, was armed all the time. She allegedly uh, had very foul language and loved to play poker. She was also said to be fairly proficient with a bullwhip. All of those traits uh, sort of picture a cartoon character of the old west so here's where you got to start asking yourself some questions and whether all of that was really true uh, and where all that comes from and so uh, obviously there's no there's no photographs or anything like that so but a rep, the point is a reputation was starting to grow in the area now around this time uh, the very famous texas ranger rip ford john salman ford supposedly encountered Skull and knew who she was. And he described it in his memoir, and he talked about uh, being near Kenny's tank. Henry Kinney was a, a legislator from Nueces County and very early in the 1830s sometimes set up a uh, trading post and et cetera. So this was a well-known place. And Ford uh, said that he heard a pistol shot and saw a man fall to the ground with a woman not far from him lowering her gun. And he says it was Sally Skull, and that she was not charged with any crime in this shooting because it was uh, obviously self-defense. Now, one author cited another article. Uh, In this one, I had the original of the Rip Ford account, but I don't have the original of this. But it was cited in another article that a traveler named Frobel, or Frable, Froebel, F R O E B E L, recounted what he thinks is the same incident. Uh, but here's some of the language he used to describe Sally Skulls. so you decide if this is uh, hyperbole. And I'm going to quote They were speaking of a North American Amazon, a perfect female desperado who from inclination has chosen for her residence the wild border country on the Rio Grande. She can handle a revolver and bowie knife like the most reckless and skillful, skillful man. She appears at dances thus armed and has even shot several men at merry merrymakings. So um, obviously he's sort of repeating rumor and embellishing certain things. But as the author of that particular article pointed out, um, who other woman could he have possibly been talking about? So I mentioned Sally as a horse trader and she would go back and forth to Mexico, uh, to gather horses. There's some question about her methods and whether they were always legal. She was also said to have, uh, what was described as a gang of Mexican vaqueros working for her, uh, that she apparently ruled with an iron fist. Some even alleged that she employed Comanche Indians to help her. Now i have going to call serious doubt on that one, but, you know, they said it. Now, let me mention a little bit about Banquetti, where she was doing all this. Banchetti is uh, located between Corpus Christi and Alice, Texas, on Highway 44, and would have been on uh, the lower road, uh, the lower El Camino Real from Matamoros um, which would turn into the Cotton Road, which I'll get into in a minute. But um, it was an area there was a lot of uh, water and a lot of traffic, so that was a good area to be uh, raising stock. Uh, Sally Skull worked with um, a very famous cattleman named W. W. Wright, and they uh, apparently uh, like to try to out cheat each other in cattle trades. Sally's brand, by the way, uh, was a what we would call today a flying J, just in case anyone uh, was wondering. Um, well, she and Doyle eventually split up, and because her legend had grown by this time, there are lots of stories about how that marriage may have ended. One story is that Doyle tried to ambush her. They got in a shootout, and she killed him. A more colorful story is they were out all night at a party, and uh, she was sleeping it off the next morning, and Mr. Doyle poured a pitcher of water on her head, and in the fog of trying to wake up, she shot him, apparently thinking he was assaulting her, or maybe she knew who it was. Who knows? Yet another story said Doyle uh, stuck his head in a whiskey barrel to try to get one last sip, and she shoved his head under the under the uh, end of the whiskey and said, there, drink your fill, and drowned him in the whiskey barrel. Yet another story is that Doyle lost control of a team of oxen and plunged into the river where both oxen and husband drowned. And when asked if the body should be retrieved, Sally apparently said, I don't give a darn about the body, but I sure would like to have the $40 in the money belt that's around it. I don't think anybody knows what really happened at this point, uh, but Doyle was gone. Her next husband was named Isaiah Watkins, and apparently Isaiah beat her because she filed for divorce very shortly after uh, marrying him and accused him also of adultery. The jury found that he was guilty of adultery, and he was later indicted for that because that was a crime. Uh, Watkins apparently did not have a very good reputation in any event. Now we come to the Civil War and the Cotton Road. Um, During the Civil War, the Union blockaded the South, and of course the South depended on cotton for its economy. And so what would happen is that the cotton would be shipped all the way down to the mouth of the Rio Grande at Matamoros, crossed over the river, and shipped with Mexico, which was obviously not involved in the war. This cotton would be shipped, as I mentioned earlier, down the lower, what we call the lower road, um, which ran to Madam Morris. And that kind of became the lifeline of the Confederate economy. The railroads that existed at the time terminated at a town called Alleyton. Alleyton is just east of present-day Columbus, Texas, kind of on I-10. And the railroads would end there, and so the cotton would move by wagon from there down to Matamoras. And Sally got into the business. She knew that road like the back of her hand. Uh, her place at banquette was kind of halfway, more or less, between Allington and Matamoris. So she got out of the horse trading business into the cotton business and the mule train business. And uh, apparently always accompanied her train, her uh, wagons personally. Around that time, someone described her as uh, superbly mounted, wearing a black dress and a sunbonnet, a six-shooter hanging at her bil- or at her belt, steel blue eyes, and sitting on her horse um, like a cavalry officer. That's how one observer describes Sally at this point. Let me say one more thing about this cotton road. So she would haul this cotton down to Matamoros, but then she would load up with goods that were needed um, in the south. She'd load up with medicine, with ammunition, uh, clothing. So this was uh, she was making money coming and going. After this time period, um, Sally starts to slowly disappear from the historic record. One author refers to um, an incident that shows up in the district court minutes of Goliad County uh, where she was indicted for perjury on May fourth, 1866, about a year after the Civil War ended, and was found not guilty. Now, the court file doesn't exist, but the minutes exist. The minutes of the court are where the judge records the significant events of a case, so you'll have the indictment, you'll have a record, uh, the judge's record of the trial, which will be very brief. It won't be the transcript with the testimony and all that stuff. And then it'll be, um, you know, the the jury, the names of the jurors, and all of that sort of thing, and the verdict. Unfortunately, as is the case with so many Texas courthouses, the Goliad County Courthouse uh, burned down at one point, and so those records are gone, and there aren't any more uh, rumors of or sightings of Sally Skull after that. Um, another author records a lawsuit in San Patricio County in 1859 uh, where the defendants are Sarah Watkins and her former husband Isaiah. Um, so that would that certainly could have been, probably was, Sally Skull. And there is a notation, now I'm reading this from another article, I did not go to San Patricio County and look at the court records, but apparently in April 1867, the case, that the case so the case was continued for several years, and um, that it was continued again in April 1867, and a notation, quote, death of defendant suggested, close quote. Now, uh, there's a document that she would file in a civil case called a suggestion of death, which means that that case, in modern times, that case would be transferred to a probate court. It would no longer be in a civil court because the case would be against the estate of the defendant. In uh, near that time, in June 1868, apparently um, her daughter Sally's daughter Nancy, had died, but had two sons. Um, and Sally's son, Alfred was still alive and that the brand, her Flying J brand, or what we call the Flying J brand, was recorded in the names of those descendants in June 1868. But then you go back to the minutes of the San Patricio County District Court, and the case ends up, that I referred to earlier, ends up dismissed in October 1868 on the motion of the defendants, that defendants being... Sally and her husband, Isaiah Watkins. So the question is, who was representing Sally if she was indeed dead? Did her heirs represent her and agree to dismiss the case? Not unlikely. Um, Did she have no representation and the case was dismissed? Maybe, but probably not. Uh, I don't think we'll ever know. She might have had a lawyer, and um, sometimes lawyers can't find their clients. The judge will let the case go, so we don't know for sure. But Sally is gone at this time. But there's one more story. Someone named McDowell, who was described uh, as a drifter, told a story that he claimed to have seen buzzards circling in an area between the Nueces and the Rio Grande, that he investigated and he found a boot tip sticking up from a shallow grave and uncovered the body of a woman who had obviously been murdered. You know what? I just discovered I left something out earlier. She got married again to a man named Horsdorf, H-O-R-S-D-O-R-F-F. Nothing remarkable to relay, which is why I skipped over it in my notes. I apologize. So she's married again at the time that she's disappearing from this record. Um, And I say that to say this. Horsdorf was remarried, by July 1868. So that fits in with the suggestion of death uh, on the part of Sally Scull sometime in the late 1860s, uh, but of course we can't know for sure. That is some evidence, um, and, and some pretty good evidence, but she may have just disappeared. There's rumors that she was seen in the 1870s around Goliad or Hallettsville, but she was so well known by this time that surely we would have more to go on if she was, in fact, alive. And if that drifter story uh, was taken seriously, it probably would have been investigated and uh, the body recovered. And finally, we have one last clue. J. Frank Doby wrote an article that appeared in the Southwest Review in 1962. And the article is about his early days teaching school In Alpine Texas and one of the people he discusses meeting in that area was Alice Stillwell Henderson. Miss Henderson is a famous uh, character in Big Bend region there's a Stillwell crossing on the Rio Grande and apparently they were gathering cattle uh, which would take several weeks and um, Miss Henderson would stay up late at night one of the Cowboys noticed this and asked her what she was doing And she said, I am writing the life of Sally Skull. Now, how she would know Sally Skull or be able to write a biography uh, at least implies that maybe Miss Skull had moved to West Texas and desired that her life be recorded. In any event, that's the legend of Sally Skull. And I'm going to end this with a quote from J. Frank Doby from that article. Quote, Sally Skull belonged to the days of the Texas Republic and afterward. She was notorious for her husband's, her horse trading, freighting, and roughness. Close quote. That was the life of Sally Skull. Well, now to the part of the episode called Getting There, where I tell you how to see some of the places I mentioned in the episode. We'll start with William Rabb, uh, her grand, Sally's grandfather, William Rabb. There's a cenotaph to William Rabb as well as uh, some other families, the Tumlinson family, in the uh, early Texas settlers, old 300 colonists, in the Texas State Cemetery. And I always encourage listeners to take some time, especially with the cooler weather, and walk through the Texas State Cemetery. You can learn so much Texas history just walking through there, and you'll see a cenotaph with William Rab's name on it. Um, Rab's Prairie, the LaGrange land, is located just north and west of LaGrange off Highway 77. Highway 77 is the highway that runs through downtown LaGrange. If you go north out of LaGrange, there is a Rab's Prairie Road not very far out of town off to your left. Now, Rab's actual burial site is thought to be on a hillside uh, probably west of there, So, uh, but we don't know for sure. Kenny's tra- trading post, Henry Kenny's trading post, there's a historical marker for that at 401 Broadway in Corpus Christi, and uh, Rip Ford's sighting of uh, allegedly Sally shooting a guy would have occurred near there. And there's a historical marker for Sally's skull in the town of Refurio. If you go across the street from King's Park in the middle of Refurio off Highway 77 is uh, a group of historical markers, one of which is Sally's. It's not very large, but uh, stop by there if you're through Refurio And uh, remember Sally Skull. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of Wise About Texas. Thank you very much for listening today. Uh, you find us on Facebook, the Wise About Texas Facebook page, Twitter and Instagram, at Wise About Texas. And if you want to support the preservation and promotion of Texas history, you can go to patreon.com slash wiseabouttexas. Thanks for listening. Go out and do something for Texas today. And until next time, God bless Texas, and we'll see you down the road.